She burrowed to the bottom of the pile and dragged a thick black bundle out into the dusty sunlight. The gown, worn only once at the taking of her M.A. degree, had suffered nothing from its long seclusion. The stiff folds shook loose with hardly a crease. The crimson silk of the hood gleamed bravely. Only the flat cap showed a little touch of the moth's tooth. As she beat the loose fluff from it, a tortoiseshell butterfly, disturbed from its hibernation beneath the flap of the trunk lid, fluttered out into the brightness of the window, where it was caught and held by a cobweb. Hello and welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Alicia. And welcome to our much-anticipated Gaudy Night episode. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah much-anticipated by us. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I've been anticipating this for years. Years. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so... Oh... Back of the book. Back of the book. So we both have, we have different editions. Mm-hmm. What's yours looking like? Mine says, Harriet Vane has never dared to return to her old Oxford mm-hmm. college. Now, despite her scandalous career, she has been summoned back. Dot, dot, dot. At first, she thinks her worst fears have been fulfilled as she encounters obscene graffiti, poison pen letters, and a disgusting effigy <laughs> as she arrives at sedate Shrewsbury College for the gaudy celebrations. But soon, Harriet realizes that she is not the only target of this murderous malice and asks Lord Peter Whimsey for help. Oh. The back of my book refers to him as her paramour. Ooh. <laughs> Which he is not. No, I know. Wow. Yeah. I would like to take issue with the sedate Shrewsbury College and also a disgusting effigy, which does not happen at the Gaudy. There is an effigy, but it's not for much, no. much later. So this is, um, yeah. This was his burnt effigies. Burnt? No, there was no burnt effigy. No. Yeah, burnt gowns. Burnt gowns. Yeah. And unburnt effigy. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the notes threaten murder. All are perfectly ghastly. Ghastly. I feel like I want to start incorporating ghastly as an adjective. Yeah, in spite of their scurrilous? I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to say that word. No, me either. Scurrilous? Scurrilous. Nature. All are perfectly worded. (laughs) Oh, Mine's, mine's full of it. Oh, wow. It calls the academic setting prim. Oh, it's not that either, really. No, not really. Oh. Perhaps at first glance. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. All right. Well, let's okay. talk a little bit about Dorothy Sayers. Okay. Um, Dorothy L. Sailors. <laughs> Dorothy L. Sailors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no. So interestingly enough, in relation to Gaudy Knight, Dorothy Sayers was, um, her. she was born in Oxford and her father, I think we may have mentioned this one in our very first episode, but her father was, um, a chaplain at Christ Christ Church Cathedral in Oxford and a headmaster. Mm. And she was, um, born at the headmaster's house in Oxford. So she very much grew up in this world that she's writing about here. And then, um, years later, she was um, one of the first women to attend Oxford when they first started letting women students in. Um, she, the college in Gaudy Knight Shrewsbury is fictional, but it's based on her college, which was Somerville College. 
and she won a scholarship there in 1912, and she studied modern languages and medieval literature, which we'll get to when we come to our sex euphemism. (laughs) And uh, she graduated with first-class honors in 1915. It was three years um, at the time and also at the time of this book. But at the time she graduated, women were not awarded degrees. Mm. So she went, she did all the work, she did all the studying, she passed all the tests, she got first-degree honors, and she couldn't have her freaking degree out of it. Um, but later, when that changed, a few years later, then they retroactively awarded her the degree and she was able to go to like a graduation ceremony and get her degree. So, yeah, let's see. Is there anything else that we need to say about her at this point? We still want to save some things for our final. So let's, let's just yeah. keep it with the Oxford stuff for now. Okay. That's good for now. Alrighty. All right. Well, let's pull a prompt. Do it. Wait, let's page turn. All right, go for it. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> what rhymes with Boxford? <laughs> Why is it Oxford? <laughs> let's talk about the setting. So some of you may, some of the more uh, attuned listeners might notice it. This is not a regular prompt. No, perhaps it's a, it's a special prompt for a special book. Yes, we have a couple of those this time around because I wasn't joking when I said I've been anticipating this for years. I um, have read this book so many times and listened to this audiobook so many times, and I have been waiting for literally years to talk at length about God <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully all of you have read it, and if not, uh, oh, this yeah. is your notice that spoilers abound. <laughs> and also... I think we've probably mentioned this before, maybe when we were talking about going to do leading up to Gaudy Night, but mm-hmm. this is the first, considered the first yeah. feminist, like mystery, mystery novel, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the, which is one of the reasons why we led up to it. How it's also just a really, really good book. Yep. Um, and Oxford is, it's almost like a character. Like it's, it's true. It's yeah. more than a setting. Yeah, like definitely. And because we are Canadian, mm. we don't really have the same kind of scholarly traditions. I actually don't know how many universities in the world do continue the traditions at Oxford. Still to this day continues. They're pretty intense. Right. Um, but there were a lot of things in here that I was kind of like, I don't what it, what is happening like what is going on just right. in terms of like references to the practices and the setting so i made a list oh of my questions goodness. that i had and then i researched them okay. because i really wanted to know so i'm not really going to go into like super big detail what i will do is in the show notes i found some really fascinating oxford university actually has web pages devoted to answering these questions wow so i will link to that okay um, but i'm just going to highlight a little bit so um Gowns. Yeah, what up with all the gowns? And to be honest, I'm still not 100% clear. If anyone listening understands the gown rules of Oxford, then feel free to reach out. I would more than welcome the chance to learn the actual. But what I can gather Mm -hmm. is that there are different gowns for different types of students Mm -hmm. and for different occasions. Yes. So there's one student at one point who says that she's a scholar because she wouldn't be caught dead in the ridiculous short gowns of a commoner. That's a bad look. So commoners are most undergraduate students from what I understand and their gowns fall to the hip. Okay. Scholars are undergraduate students who have received scholarships or who have excelled 
particularly well in their like first term of study. Okay. And they get a scholar's gown, which reaches to the knees, which is apparently cooler than having your gown reach to the hip. Fascinating. In her view, anyway. Hmm. She was like, that short gown is ridiculous. I think it would be fine. Maybe it's because of how it changes your outfit. Possibly. Or if it's like a very full, it might kind of look like a weird cape, like a Sherlock Holmes style mm. cape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Um, and then also they wear gowns. They ha- they're required to wear their gowns to any formal university ceremony. Mm-hmm. They're also required to wear them um, when sitting examinations. Mm. And in addition to having to wear your gown... You also have to wear full academic dress, which mandates what you wear beneath your gown Mm. and is referred to as subfusk, (laughs) (laughs) which is mentioned several times in this book where, as in like one of the characters would be like, I see you're decently subfusk. So of course I had to look that up because I was like, what does this mean? So subfusk is from the Latin subfuscus, which basically means like dark. I think it's either dark blue or dark brown. I can't remember. But so it includes um, a dark suit with um, either a skirt or trousers, a white shirt or blouse, white or black bow tie or full tie or ribbon, plus your gown, plus your mortarboard. And most importantly of all, you got to wear dark socks. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have like polka dotted socks. You can't have tube socks. No. You can't have those monkey sock socks. I feel like it wouldn't even be like you have to, even though I get that that's a rule, but like you should. I guess. (laughs) Formal attire includes socks. Yeah. 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 Well, I've been wearing a lot of leggings in this pandemic and I've been stealing (laughs) all of my husband's black socks because I'm wearing black leggings. I'm not oh. going to like put like some polka dotted stuff at the bottom there. Look at you. I don't think I should confess what socks I've been wearing during the <laughs> Only pandemic. when I go out. I don't care oh, at home. Oh, okay. Okay. That's yeah. Oh, different. yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> the cats are going to be judging. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else do we have? Um, getting sent down means getting mm. expelled. Right. Yep. Getting gated, as you suspected, means getting confined to quarters. Yeah. Um, confined to quarters. Quarters, not necessarily oh, okay. in extreme cases, oh. um, but yes, not allowed to leave Oxford. Yeah, um, not, before certain not time, after gate certain pass. Time. Yeah, yes, yeah. And what else do we have here? Um, there's this is one small thing that I was confused about because there's a part where one of the characters is, you know, oh, what, did I hurt you? Like, because he knocks somebody over, and he's like, if I did, I'll run straight over and drown myself in mercury. And I was like, what? <laughs> you're not even you're not just going to drown yourself. You're going to drown yourself. In Mercury, but then I realized Mercury is short form for in the Christchurch quadrangle. Okay. In the common area, there is a pond that has a statue of Mercury. Oh, okay. So that's what he was referring to. Okay. <laughs> and right. incidentally, because it's Oxford, um, the pond also contains a gigantic and very um, expensive uh, koi carp, which was gifted to the university by the Empress of Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oxford is super, super old. Yes. There was, from what I read, there was like records of learning, although it wasn't like a formal university, but there are records of learning in Oxford from like 1096 or something Oh, wow. I didn't realize that old. Yeah. It's that old. Wow. It's a super, super old institution. Wow. 
Yeah. I all think right. that's all I have for the What Rhymes with Box, Boxford segment. The only thing that I would say is because Shrewsbury is fictional, mm-hmm. I really wish, you know how you... Uh, any fantasy book that you read these days, mm-hmm. it seems everyone's got a map. I really right. wish there had been a map of this situation. Oh, you know what? I bet you could find one because um, I read something that Dorothy Sayers wrote. It might even be in the foreword to the book where she apologizes to the university, but she says exactly where on the real campus she has located Shrewsbury College. Oh. And she's like, I, you know, I put it here where like there should be a this. Instead. Well, yeah, like she's like for the purposes of this book, the yeah. road goes this way. But I even mean like the layout of the buildings because uh, yeah, like yeah, when yeah. they're like chasing and they're running across the mm-hmm. quad and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, and you know, like there's the there's the little garden that. Yeah. Hilliard's always hanging out in the fellow's garden. Yeah, the fellow's yeah. garden. I would have just, I would have huh. really loved, like, you know, one of those, like, maps with a legend and be like, this, fellow's garden. Is this a challenge? It is a challenge. <laughs> I feel like I could make one. And all the dorms, because <laughs> even with, like, the new library, like, they, it was like, they could go in the front door, but then it was like, if you went through this place mm-hmm. and up these stairs. Through the fiction library. Through the fiction library. Yeah. But then there was also like, that's where like you could get the food. That was mm-hmm. where like the bursar was. And I was like, the bursar's at the back of the new library. Like, yeah. so it's been just added on to a building. Well, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Once I make my map, I will post it to our show. Notes. I think a lot of people would appreciate it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I think I would. <laughs> a lot of people... Well, me. All right. I mean, I could see it in my head. I wasn't confused, but like. But yeah, no, it would be good to have a map. We should just, you know, petition a publisher to put out a really nice edition with a map in the front and a good cover because. Yeah, because there's even that one point where they're all hanging out in the senior common room. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think St. George, they're all like, who is that magnificent man? And he's yeah. just loitering around yeah. because Peter's trying to get him to see if he can identify the poison pen. Yeah. And so Hillary just like, oh, Hillary, sorry, goodness, Harriet. <laughs> um, Harriet just like sits and like has her coffee and like has a smoke. But then uh-huh. like presently, like Peter like comes along the path and starts talking to her and she just joins him. And I'm like. Did she hop out the window? <laughs> she may have. I was like, I'm so confused how you just got outside. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe she hopped out the window. I think she hopped out the window. She does hop in and out of windows at other points in this She book. does. Yeah. Yeah, she does. She's a window hopper. She's a window hopper. Or Not maybe to be confused like... with a window shopper. <laughs> <laughs> or they maybe have like their own, because she was like kind of like, she kind of said like it was a gravel path and like mm-hmm. trees. So maybe they had like their own little courtyard off the senior common room. Yeah, maybe. Like there was their own little, anyways. But I was just like, what? Did you just exit via the window? No wonder everyone's so upset about your behavior. You're just like, <laughs> <laughs> Warranted. <laughs> also, like it brings up another point too, because this is set in the 20s and like mm. everyone's just smoking cigarettes inside mm. all the time. It might have smelled disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that you notice it several times that she's like, she whips out cigarettes to contemplate or to do this or that. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's just such an odd thing Mm -hmm. for this day and age. I'm like, Harriet, Harriet, don't you think that's bad for you? Oh, your breath, Harriet. (laughs) (laughs) Your teeth. Yeah. 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 Definitely that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's move right along. Okay, 
I always think it's so funny when this one comes early in the in the episode. It's uh, this magic moment. Ooh. Favorite part. Oh, no. Oh, oh gosh. gosh. I have so many that I'm going to try to narrow it down. <sighs> All right. Well, let's see. Punting. Yes. The river. The river. We're going to come to that in another prompt. But yeah. Listeners, mark it in your mind. The river. The river. Um... Uh, I would have to say Mr. Pomfret's proposal. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's one of mine as well. Yeah. I would oh, also say that um, <laughs> when Peter teaches Harriet self-defense oh, and God. then finds her the duck home. <laughs> yeah. That's quite something. That's, it's, yeah, like, I don't know if it's, like, it's a, I don't know, the magic, but it's certainly different. It's certainly <laughs> memorable. It's certainly memorable. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Um, I would also have to, oh, frick, there's so many, like, when Peter oh comes and has dinner. With the Dons. Oh, my gosh. I love that. With the warden. Oh. Yeah. 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 So good. So good. I also love Harriet's first meeting with Miss Devine. Mm. Um, where it says, uh, Harriet was left to her fate after 10 minutes during which Miss Devine ruthlessly turned her victim's brain inside out, shook the facts out of it like a vigorous housemaid shaking dust from a carpet, beat it, refreshed it, rubbed up the surface of it, relayed it in a new position and tacked it into place with a firm hand. The dean mercifully came up and burst into the conversation. (laughs) Yeah, anytime with Miss Devine, like she's such a... She's a force. She's a force. Well, oh gosh, so many of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just love that description. Yeah. (laughs) Beat it, refreshed it, rubbed up the surface of it. Um, I also love uh, that description. So Harriet's there for the first term. Okay. And then she leaves during the vacation. Mm -hmm. She goes back to London, which we will come to in our names section. Yep. (laughs) Goes to a literary party or two, gets thoroughly disillusioned with London, and then goes back to Oxford. Yeah. So she's a little bit early for the second term, um, which is known as the Trinity term, I think. Mm. I wrote this down in my Oxford notes. Michaelmas term is October to December. Okay. Hillary term is January to March, and Trinity term is April to June. Okay. So it's warm weather. I'm pretty sure it's a it's a, must be the final term. Mm. So she's there early. The students aren't back yet. Very few people on campus, and she there's this description of her days there where she's mm. like rowing on the river and she's just like you know going back to her room at night to like make toast by the fire and like do her research and write and like says something about how like you know her body is stretched and her mind is relaxed and then she starts to like reconnect with her like inspiration and her creativity because mm-hmm. as much as this is a mystery and a romance it's also like it's also a Kunstler Roman, like the the birth of an artist type story, right? right? Where you see before she was writing mystery novels and she was, you know, successful at it and good at it, but she really starts to dig a little deeper in yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And so it's during that time where she just has this space. And I love that description mm. in that part there. It's one of my favorite. And oh yeah, there's also a part where she has coffee with the third year students at the when she's kind of trying to get to know everybody on campus and like sort of like feel out the territory at the Mm -hmm. beginning. And, um, they're all like sort of gossipy about like about the situation with the poison pen. And like, she's kind of getting a beat on what they think of it. And they're complaining about this one student, Miss Flaxman, who's like (laughs) 
stealing everyone's boyfriend. <laughs> and so one of them says to this woman who's, they call her the senior student. I'm not sure if that's maybe like a prefect type situation. Like, okay, yeah. I wasn't able to find anything about a senior student role in my Oxford research, but I, from context, that's what it seems like. And one of the students is like, as senior student, couldn't you do something about this? And the woman says, what, what could I do? I can't forbid her from making people's lives a burden to them. <laughs> Oh, that is such a good line. Yeah. Yeah. I also really like, um, it's a small moment, but it's the moment where, um, so Flaxman has stolen, Mm -hmm. uh, Farringdon, Farringdon. And so Farringdon's having a party Yes, and and Flaxman invites Pomfret because she's trying to string both along at the same time. And Farringdon doesn't want Pomfret, so he invites Harriet. And Flaxman doesn't want Harriet. (laughs) And it's clear that Pomfret doesn't want to go. And Harry's just like, (laughs) Yeah, it's like she had like the novelist's malicious joy in like an awkward situation. She's just like, Yeah, let's do it. We're free. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's just like, Ah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good part. I love that part. Um, Yeah. And we did both mention it, but I do have to. I just have to quote it, the part where Pomfret proposes to Harriet. Oh, my. So he's like a much younger man. He's like a second year student. And uh, yeah, there's quite the she. Well, she seems to indicate there's quite an age difference. Quite an age difference. Like, is he 20? He's probably about 20. Yeah. And she's 32. Well, there's a bit of a a discrepancy in her age between this and Strong Poison, because I believe in Strong Poison, she's it's said that she's. 30 or 29 or 30. Okay. And then it says that there's five years between when she meets Peter and this book. So she should be 35. Really? I thought it said three years. No, she's always going on about like five years. Like he's been like, you know, pursuing her for five years. Um, but so yeah, she's probably like five years. She's like 12 to 15 years older than Mr. Pomfret. Yeah. I would say. And he's kind of like a good natured, dim witted, sweet kind of guy but like not very not on her level intellectually no i mean she enjoys him mm-hmm. yeah but it's, <laughs> so it says, uh he's um she's like no no, no like I've, i can't marry you like she says i'm at least 10 years older than you are and what does that matter with a large and clumsy gesture? Mr. Pomfret swept away the difference of age and plunged on a, in a flood of eloquence um <laughs> And then there's on and on about all the things. And he says, he wanted to stand between her and all the world. Mr. Pomfret was six feet three and broad and strong in proportion. Please don't do that, said Harriet, <laughs> feeling as though she was feebly saying, drop it, Caesar, to somebody else's large and disobedient Alsatian. <laughs> like, it's one of the reasons why it's so hard to pick favorite part in this book is like, there is not a single passage in this book that isn't like genius. Yeah, it's really, it's well conceived from start to finish. But just the way she phrases things, like it's funny mm. and it's like everything is there for a purpose. And like, it's just, it's no small feat. It is no small feat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So everything is a magic moment. Everything's a magic moment. All right. Next up. Ooh, are there any cats in this book? There actually is one cat. On the first page, when Harriet is remembering Oxford, and in her envisioning, she remembers the college cat oh. stalking on its way to the buttery. Oh, 
There isn't a college cat mentioned in the current times, but That's in her sad. memory. Yeah. yeah. And I love it because, of course, if there was a college cat, it would be on its way to the buttery. Of course. And I like that they have a place called the buttery. It's a nice name for, the, yeah. like, the food store. Is mm-hmm. that, it's a pantry. It's a pantry. I think it's, I don't think it's a store. No, like, a store is in storage. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Ooh, building a mystery. Ooh. Building a mystery. Okay. All right. Well, this one, my goodness. Yeah. First of all, I'm going to say this is also unique in terms of mysteries because there's no murder. No, there is no murder. And at first it's it's not even clear that they're all connected connected mm-hmm. which i mean happens in other mysteries as well but mm-hmm. the, and, and that it takes so long yeah yeah so as the back of my book said harriet thinks that she's just gotten a um a nasty anonymous letter because as someone those. who was yeah in jail for tried for murder she gets them all the time which is sucky really really terrible yeah 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 and and it's so sad that moment where she's like, when they call on her to be like, you have experience in this, which they mean by like detecting. Yeah. But she's like, oh, you don't realize how well I do have experience yeah. in this. Like, and in fact, like if you knew, you'd probably wouldn't have called me because yeah. it would be like impolite to be like, exactly. you get these all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And she makes a comment about the Dean and how like mm-hmm. the Dean is like the last person who would ever think of doing something like that. So it wouldn't occur to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like Peter, he immediately, like he sees one and he's mm-hmm. like immediately like, Oh, I know what that is, but it hasn't occurred to him until that moment. Yeah. Which is interesting for Peter. Cause yeah. he's, yeah, or that, a lot accursed to Peter. Or that not only that, like she gets them, but they're like in they're relation him. to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, so all I'm doing is making life more bitter for you. Yeah, because he's such a public figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the nobility and all that. Well, also like the fact that he's clearly trying to court her. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, that's why you got her off. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. it throws a shadow on her innocence. Yeah. 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 It's all very complicated. And and it makes her also seem even more like a fallen woman cuz she was mm-hmm. accused already she's admitted to being a fall, I don't like the term but fallen woman. <laughs> yeah. And now she's like dating the guy who got her off. Like they're like, "Oh, that's how you did it." Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Jerks all of them. That's jerks. And I feel like it's um like the 1920s version of like social media trolling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but, but unfortunately, like, even though she gets those anonymous letters, like, more than one of the Dons, is that what we call them? Mm-hmm. The Dons, like, kind of have that opinion of her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really, it's just Miss Hilliard, I think. The rest of them are pretty decent about it. Well, I think she's the most overt. Yeah, it's true. But Harriet feels like that's one of the reasons why she's never gone back to Oxford until yes. now, right? But the dean is like, we're not so uptight as you think. Like, it's fine. Like, no one cares about that at all. And she no- does, she does note when she first goes back that the p- the teachers that she was most attached to don't seem to feel that way. Like, yeah. Miss Lydgate mm-hmm. um, and the dean in particular. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I guess there's a little bit of that with Miss Barton. Yes. Yeah. Um, although Miss Barton seems more preoccupied with, like, whether or not people should 
detect crime as a hobby than anything else. Like, she's really upset about that. It's so bizarre. It's so weird, yeah. And I think that this, we're so off track with Building a Mystery, but I think this book does a really great job of um, creating these characters that are, like, so scholarly and academic. And it's, again, like, one of the themes of this book is people having to go full on with their career or Mm. their private life, personal Mm. life and marriage, because you couldn't, you weren't allowed to do both. So these women who are just like, nope, I'm going to pursue academia. And like, they get so like narrow minded, not in terms of like, you know, they're um, like, in terms of what they think about society, but just like in terms of like what interests them. Yes. And they get very like caught up on things like that. Cause it's like, they're just so into like digging into every dark corner and like pulling everything out and like examining it. And like, so their conversation is like kind of weird a lot of the time. <laughs> it so is. And yeah. yeah. And the fact that they like, they have like quite a few of them like have such a burning desire to know mm-hmm. that even though they do it slightly politely, like yeah. they not really being that polite because yeah. they're like the need to know is <laughs> yeah. important. Like is trumps everything. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, so, anyways. so, so Harry gets called mm-hmm. um, and she comes at first, I think she just comes to advise. She just comes to like, she's like, I don't think I'm the person, but I'll come. Right. She decides to go because she realizes when she finds out that there have been anonymous letters that she also is like a witness received and, one. and a recipient. Yeah. yeah. And because she received one at the gaudy, she knows that that means that most of the students couldn't have done it because most yeah. of them weren't there. Yeah. So then she's like, oh, shit, like this is actually a really small pool of people and most of them are staff. Yeah. So she goes and basically is like. I got to tell you this uncomfortable thing. It's probably one of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. Which they do not appreciate. Well, they take it quite well, actually. They do, but they're all like, you've dropped quite a bomb on us. Yeah. And And then they got all like hung up again with that thing because they're like trying to make suggestions what to do. And then they're like, well, if the, you know, person didn't know that before, they know it now. They're like, oh, wait, like now we've asked for advice. None of us are in a position to hear what it is. Yeah. And then they're like, how's it going? Oh, I guess you can't tell me, but I can tell you what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like more than one. One of them does it. And because the college is so relatively new mm-hmm. and it's also like for women who have only recently gotten access to the college, like the yeah. threat of scandal and exposure yeah. is so significant that mm-hmm. they don't want to call the police. Yeah. They don't even really want to admit to the students what's happening. And they don't. And they yeah. don't. Yeah. Like the students know because some of them are getting letters. Yeah. And like some of them had gowns that get burnt and yeah. like, you know, some of them find things. Yeah. And so there's lots of rumors. Yeah. And then when Miss Lydgate's proofs, oh, that Ms. has Lydgate. to be, they do have like a public, like the, they do, they warden, I think addresses like the, the entire yeah. school, but they all know to like, keep it on the down low. Yeah. Like every time they have to address something, they're like anyone talking to the newspaper or like outside of the college about this is going to be like, have like severe disciplinary action. Like, and, um, yeah, because the scandal would have been, like, a huge problem for them. Yeah, especially the nature yep. of the drawings as described. Yes. <laughs> Even though I have to admit that I'm still kind of like, what did they look like? Because 
Have you seen The Big Lebowski? Yes. Do you remember the part where he is <laughs> in the office of like Jackie Treehorn, who's like the pornography maker guy, and he's Jackie Treehorn's on the phone and he's like writing something on a piece of paper, and then he rips the paper off and leaves the room, and so like the dude runs over and like you know, scratches over with a pencil to see what he wrote. It's just like this like stupid cartoon of this person with like a giant penis. <laughs> That's what I picture. Oh, I've seen it more than once and I can't even think of it. I'll, li- I'll link it in the show. Because like there's one like it's like a naked, like full figured or something like person, like wrestling with a person like an academic robes. Which I'm like okay, so obviously like spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, hit the spoiler. <laughs> Is that Annie drawing herself naked? Why is she naked? I think I think it wasn't it like a was it a naked woman like beating a person in an academic robe? Yeah, I think that was supposed to be Miss Divine like beating up on Annie's husband. Oh, why is she naked? <laughs> because <laughs> because she was an unnatural woman. Oh. I don't know. Annie was unbalanced. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's be clear. It's true. Because I assumed that the person in Academic Rose was like one of them because she was hating on them. So I was like, is she like, this is what I'm going to do to you? Well, it could be. Naked. Or maybe it's Annie, the natural woman, naked, beating on them. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. But I was like, weird, Annie. It's all weird. <laughs> weird. She's, yeah. Yep. The thing I don't get about Annie being unbalanced is that she was able to control it whenever anyone was around mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. and yet was observed by St. George like muttering crazy <laughs> eyes like wandering down the street and I was like, oh, okay, what up? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit odd. But I do think it's plausible that like when she's at work, mm. she reigns it in, right? Like look at all the serial killers out there. True, true enough, true enough. Yeah, because like she would be like, oh, great day to see you, like blah, 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 blah. And then she'd be like, Harry would be like, like, you know, saying goodbye to Peter at the gate. She'd be like, oh, there's someone watching me. And like, Annie would be like, <laughs> <laughs> Although all those times she felt people watching her, I feel like that was Missy Leo. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's true. We never find out yeah. which one of them it, it is. It's one of the red herrings because like, yeah. Missy Leo's always like walking in the garden late at night and like. Yeah. So, okay. 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 Oh, gosh. I just, yeah, this is so hard. <laughs> so I'm just going to say that this story yeah. is this mystery is so well concealed like the mm. the person who is the culprit mm-hmm. because of the fact that this is not just a mystery this is a like a social commentary on the role of women in society and there are so many different female characters in this embodying so many different perspectives and mm-hmm. different roles that when you see Annie and you hear her dialogue talking about like how it's not natural to build a whole building just for women to study books in and like books won't teach you to be good wives and mothers and like all this stuff you're like well that's the function of Annie's character is to demonstrate that particular woman in society because that's such a huge part of the book and you've got Miss Divine and you've got like Harriet you've got all these different Mm -hmm. women you know showing these different roles which is a huge like arguably even a bigger part of the book than the mystery Mm -hmm. but then when you find out the resolution Mm -hmm. all of Annie's parts point you there yeah but there was another reason for them to be there too yeah which is like 
such a classic red herring tactic. Like, I'm telling you this thing, but you think I'm telling you for a different reason altogether. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, like, the biggest, the biggest, I think, um, like, structure, mystery structure in this book, which is, yeah, so, so well done. Yeah. Um, There's also, like, lots of other red herrings. Like, um, there's a whole thing about... Jukes, the porter, oh, yeah. the ex-porter, and Miss Hilliard wandering around in the garden. Yeah, and it's, yeah, like Harriet, because having read this book several times, mm-hmm. like, it is harder to ignore Annie. Yeah. Because um, I can never really figure out why, well, not, no, so now I can understand more why Annie turns in Jukes. Yes. But at first it seems like, how can it be coincidence yeah. that she's got her kids at Jukes? Like, yeah. And I was like, they're in it together. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. It, that he's so shady. That, he's so shady yeah. and he's stealing and he's like hanging around the college. Yeah. So, and she's got her kids there and she's more than a little shady. Like, yeah. But yeah. then it just is like, it's her weird moral compass. But then mm-hmm. it's weird that she does turn him in because that screws over Mrs. Jukes. Who's like the good wife. Who's the good wife. So it's kind of odd her motivations for that. Well, she just didn't want people looking too closely at Dukes' home life, right? Because that's yeah. where she prepared all the letters. Right, and, like, right, the letters. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think Which is like, yeah. did the Jukes' know? Honestly, like, they must not have been very bright. Yeah. Either of them. I like how everyone's like, Mrs. Jukes was such a nice woman, but like you never hear anything more about her other than that. Indeed. Um, yeah. And then I think the other big red herring that she throws in there, which even the back of your book references, is that Harriet keeps thinking like all these clues, like the fact that she destroyed Miss Lydgate's book proofs, mm. which is like an academic work. And she burned Miss Barton's book, which was an academic study and mm-hmm. she wrote a quotation in Latin from mm-hmm. a classical work on the effigy that she's like these are an educated person's crimes mm-hmm. so it's not going to be one of the servants yeah um and that's the part that Peter when he shows up is like open your eyes like and I think it also really really like gets deep into like the class prejudice that is demonstrated throughout this book so much and while I like Harriet as a character a lot, she demonstrates some pretty problematic class discrimination. Like even the first one of the conversations she had to Annie at the very beginning when Annie's just like, oh, like, you know, she, Annie asks her if she's engaged. Mm-hmm. And Harriet's like, I, she had no, like, you know, wish to be like talking to the servants about her private life. And then she says to Annie, like, run along now. Like, they're probably needing you in the kitchen. Like, it's so condescending Mm. and just shitty. And then even when she sees Jukes for the first time and she's, and Pomfret's like, do you know this guy? And she's like, of course I do. He was a porter at Shrewsbury and he got, you know, arrested for petty pilfering. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really, I, the Jukes part for me really stuck out being like, whoa, like, way to just out that man for his past. Like, ouch. Annie, I found, was, because, yeah, like, I feel like it does reveal Harry's prejudice because I can't remember if it's the dean or if it's the warden. Mm -hmm. 
always get them all confused <laughs> or the bursar. Like, <laughs> because one of them does was like, it could easily be the scouts. Like mm-hmm. half of them are more educated than we are. And I was like, wait, hold up. How? I, I, know, I, I know. I feel like that line is like, really? You're like I a scholar. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things too, that um, the scouts is such an odd, like, Coming from a Canadian perspective, mm-hmm. like I had no idea that the scouts were just like paid servants. Yeah. I was like, what on earth are these people? <laughs> like, <laughs> are they especially bred for this purpose? Like, they're like, oh, go get a scout. A scout could do this for you. A scout could do that for you. Yeah. Like, they're like basically like, and they've got like a whole building to house them in with like, bars on the windows. With bars on the windows. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing too is that like there's a few staff members who well Miss Barton is mm-hmm. the bursar? Is she um, I think the, isn't the bursar the one who says like it's more likely to be someone of that class and Miss Barton is like yeah. gets upset and is like I feel very strongly that we shouldn't take like Yeah. But someone isn't is Miss Barton the one in charge of the scouts? No. Who is in charge of the scouts? I thought they all had their own group of scouts that were in charge of. It makes it sound like a girl scout troop <laughs> or something. Well, I thought there was one who was a little bit more there probably is. Like, she definitely defends them. I, she, to be honest, like, she came across to me as, like, someone who was like, they're my scouts. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> like the way that that one teacher's like, my students. Oh, you know, where like, she's like, I take very great care in hiring them. Yes. I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, like, might, it probably is the bursar. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so they're like, it couldn't be them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of... Oh, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, there's just so many different women. Like it's, mm, that's mm-hmm. another thing too. Like it's amazing, but it's also like a red herring in itself because right. it's hard to keep up with. It is. And then like if one gets particularly highlighted, then you're like, there's got to be a reason. Like mm-hmm. there's Miss Barton two times in two of the incidents. She's like on the scene, but has no alibi. And so then you kind of like Miss Barton sticks in your head because you're like, okay, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I remember that about her, whereas in the whole mess of Dawns and Fellows, like, she yeah. made that. So that's another, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it's also just, yeah, because the Don, the Dean, the Warden, the Bursar, like, they're also referred to as, like, Miss mm-hmm. Martin or yep. Dr. Baring. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and the first time I read this book, I did not realize that those were the same people. And I was like, <laughs> who's this now? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I made a whole chart to, like, keep them all straight. Because, yeah, they do have, like, their title and then their name. Yeah, and I think I even said to you this time I got to the book. So at the end, like, the third, I was like, who is Miss Edwards? (laughs) (laughs) Where did she come from? Where did she come from? Smiling her secret smiles in the corner. (laughs) So I feel like just the sheer amount of characters thrown at you. Yeah. Is a red herring, well, not a red herring, it's just like a wonderful device. It just, it makes, it puts you in the same position as Harriet. Yeah. Because you just cannot weed them all out and yeah. keep their opinions straight. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's true. And it's also like a really great, um, just, it's just great to have a book filled with so many women mm-hmm. who are like, 
Yeah, like, I mean, as I said, I've read this many, many times. Yeah. And I've also listened to the audiobook, which, side note, I highly recommend the audiobook by Ian Carmichael. And I say it for all of these, but he does a fantastic job of differentiating the voices, mm. which makes it a lot, like, it helps you a lot in order to distinguish the character. Right. Um, but they're, they are... Once you get to know them over a few readings and listenings, (laughs) they all have like a, you know, pretty distinctive personality. Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Which I is Because there's some that you just never suspect, like Miss Lydgate. No, you just just know. You just know. No. Like, it's not her. Miss Chilperic. (laughs) (laughs) She could never. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then there's Miss Goodwin. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Goodwin. Mrs. Goodwin, who at first I would be confused because she was sometimes in the senior common room. Yes. And then I was like, oh, right, she's a secretary. She's yeah. not a teacher. Because I was like, how has she got a kid? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. She's a widow who is the dean's secretary. Yeah. And so that's another thing. Because, like, just it just coincidentally, the timing, yeah. unless Annie was doing that on purpose. But oh. she probably wasn't because she would have approved of Mrs. Goodwin for being married and having a kid, right? I think so, but... Miss Goodman never got a letter. Miss Goodman never got a letter, but maybe she was still, like, taking advantage of... Of her absences. Of her absences. Yeah, because nothing ever happened while Mrs. Goodwin was away, which led some of the other teachers to suspect her. Yeah, particularly Miss Hilliard, who did not like the fact that Miss Goodwin's child kept getting sick and Miss Goodwin had to tend to it. And she was like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So Miss Hilliard, who like is, is revealed, though, like goes on her like summer vacation and like stays with her sister and takes care of her sister's husband while her sister has a baby. <laughs> yes. And you're like, ooh. That could not have been pleasant for anybody. <laughs> no. Yeah, she's like, and I wouldn't have done it if it not had been vacation. And I'm like, oh, they were probably, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, damn it. Yeah. Should have timed this better. Yeah. Um, and then Miss Devine. Oh, Miss Devine. Is another whole, like, she's very enigmatic character. Yeah. Um, but again, like, we're kind of steered by Harriet because every time Harriet starts to suspect her, she's like, but Harriet, she's inclined to like her. Hmm. But then it's like, well, but she's got to be put on the same footing as everyone else. But you can tell that Harriet is also like loath to suspect Miss Devine. And I do love all the conversations they always have where like Harriet intends to go find out more about Miss Devine, but then ends up just like telling Miss Devine everything about her and then leaving me like, oh. I know, which... I mean, she could definitely think of as a tactic of Miss Divine, but it does show the difference between Harriet, um, who's almost a little too close to the situation, mm-hmm. and Peter, who comes right. in and is like, yeah. "Okay, this woman's this woman's backstory, like yeah. this we, this needs to be investigated," and he is on it. He's on it, and the um, yeah, and he's also the one who makes the connection between. He was like, "There are three women." who never got a letter. Mrs. Goodwin, who was married. Miss mm-hmm. Chilperic, who is engaged. Mm-hmm. So how can Miss Chilperic be engaged? Well, I once she-, she marries, she'll have to go. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's why Hilliard is so mean to her. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, who's the other one? I mean, I thought she was mean to her because she was, ha- had a fiance, but that she's choosing, like she's yeah. like getting it married and leave. And leave. Right. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't put those two things together that chill perks on her way out. Yeah. 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 And who's the other one? It must be Harriet. Harriet didn't get one since the first one, which wasn't actually for her. It was 
supposed to be for Miss Divine, but she got the name. She doesn't get, yeah, she doesn't. And then she becomes a target after Peter shows up and it's clear that it's not like, yeah, that. Oh, and Harriet announces in that conversation after dinner, when Annie's in the room clearing the coffee cups, Mm. that she thinks that like public responsibility should come before private. Mm. And then after, and then she she becomes becomes a target. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause she like did the, Oh, hi kids. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Like haven't met the right one yet, but maybe marriage still. Cause she does like the public, like, Mm -hmm. like with the Annie. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be polite and make conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And she's not a Don. So she hasn't, committed herself to a life of yeah and uh, she was on trial because she was like you know with a man which like and then peter said something about her sneaking young men in the gates at at midnight yeah probably made annie be like oh good yeah she's like a a real woman yeah she's a real woman she has a libido she's a libido in a 20 year old who's (laughs) likened to a very young dog of a very large breed right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, so anyway, yeah. I think then the very end, like things start to escalate once Peter gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, is Does that when the student is this? No, that's before Peter gets there. You're yeah, right. That's, that's when the sh- Harriet puts her foot down as like, yes. I'm no longer going to be solely responsible for investigating this. Yeah, and starts trying to reach Peter. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, quite desperately. Because of... Um, what is her name? Martin? No, no, no that's, that's the dean. That's the dean. Newland. Newland. Yes. Poor Miss Newland. Miss Newland. Just getting like letter after letter after letter, like, oh. and she already was like having anxiety and was oh. there in a scholarship and didn't have any friends. And then she tries to oh. kill herself in the river. Um, it's touch and go there, but they do manage to rescue her. Yeah, I would definitely say that's not a magic moment, but it's a riveting. Like, it is. It's a riveting little plot piece. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And even like the details, like yeah. afterwards, like the cop and mm-hmm. who are the two teachers? Like they've been lashed to the bone by the seaweed. I was like, oh, I know. Like what kind of weeds <laughs> are those? Like that's yeah. And they're like trying to cut her free because yeah. the weeds are like swirling so like yeah. hard to pull her down. And oh yeah. my gosh. But everyone's so calm and like. Yeah. Except Harriet yells at someone to trim their boat. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> um, but like they get her in the boat and like, yeah, like it's just like, it's, yeah. it's, it's very well done. It like, is. And then even when they get her in the boat, you don't know if she's alive or dead because no. she's unconscious and they're doing yeah. first aid and like, yeah. and it's all at night and like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's very tense. And, yeah. yeah. But I, I, and I do love how it speaks to like, Harriet, um, why? Harriet. <laughs> Not quite fully going into the academic world because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this has happened and we have all these things and we're going to explain them to you all in order. And she's like, right. like, what are we doing right now? Yeah, like, And yeah. she's like, well, like, that's a theory. Let's go with it. Like, it's the best we've got. Like, yeah. let's move people. Yeah. She's much more like make the plan, execute the plan. Like where they're just like in the chronological order. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, ah. Yeah. 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 Um, and they're just all sitting around, yeah. like, because they don't know what to do. But she's mm-hmm. more like, she's like Peter. She's more a person of action. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, and then when Peter starts to investigate Miss mm. Divine's background, mm-hmm. and he puts it all together, mm-hmm. um, and then 
that whole bit with like he's warning Harriet that she might be attacked mm-hmm. and then Harriet is attacked. Mm-hmm. Thankfully she's wearing a dog collar. <laughs> I know and also knows like how to like she, De- yeah deflect it. De- deflect something but mm-hmm. she still gets a fairly bad mm-hmm. head gash it sounds like. Yeah she's concussion. Unconscious and bleeding all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah which is so interesting. So when she, cause they go <laughs> and she gives Peter the dossier. Yes. And so he looks it over and then he definitely is like, I see a few avenues to pursue here. Yeah. And he was like, I really think that you could also see these things if you yeah. weren't so like, mm-hmm. it's funny. Cause I just wonder how the dossier was organized that he's like, it's clear that you are like struggling between just like seeing all these academic women as repressed and it could be any of them. Well, I don't know that that was in the dossier. I think that was more in their conversation. Cause she kept saying like, do you think we can solve this by investigation or like, do we need a mental health specialist? Mm. And he's like, I don't understand. Like you're so biased. And he already knows that about her, right? Like right. he's so perceptive and he knows her so well. And he's like, isn't it true that having made up your mind to a spot of celibacy that now you're like finding problems with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that's like a really fascinating aspect of it too, where Harriet's like, no, I, I can't be in a relationship. I can't marry you. I can't pursue this. Um, so this is my other option, but she also is scared of that. Um, yeah, I guess for me, it was always, it was never as clear that in just saying no to Peter, she was saying no to everybody. Yeah, I know. It's not really made clear until this book, but she yeah. makes a comment after Pomfret proposes that um, it like had like elated her and she was like, she didn't realize how much like his simple minded like devotion made her realize that like she's it says something like she thought she could never get the attention or the love of another man except for like the eccentric attentions of whimsy and then she's like for whom she was only the creature of his making or something like that right so she's got this all twisted around in her head yeah she really because like there's another point where she like brings up like he was like you know, like you've never allowed an oak when he buys her the dog collar. And she's, <laughs> he's like, you've never let me give you anything before. And she's like, only my life, only my life, only my life. And I'm like, did you have to say it three times? <laughs> it's like so awkward, Harry. Why'd you gotta go there? And then Peter's like, I think he has like the same reaction. He does. He's like, God, will you just give it up, Hardy? Like, can't yeah. you forget it? And no, she's like, she's super stuck she on is. it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that, yeah, like, she has it so twisted in her mind that she's never, like, because Peter says something to her about what he, like, fell in love with her Mm -hmm. for, and she's like, I never once thought about, like, she, no, she had wondered, but she could never figure out why he liked her. And to be honest, we wondered, too, because we were (laughs) like, he's literally seeing her across the courtroom, Mm -hmm. and I did, I did make a note of that part, because he's like, what does he say? It's like, you're... your devastating talent for keeping to the point and telling the truth. Yeah. Which she would have probably amply demonstrated on the stand in her own defense. And she's a smart, intelligent woman with Mm -hmm. a way of words. He must've just been like, Oh, whoa there. Like it was her words. It was her words. Yeah. Which is so great. Yeah. But she's just, yeah. 
Like, yeah. yeah, but yeah, she's so hung up on the life thing, but because they're kind of always, it's that very English and like old, you know, concept, Mm -hmm. like, cause no one ever comes out and says anything that I was like, what is he? The first time I read this, I was like, what is he referring to? (laughs) And he's like, you've got this concept to, you know, you've Mm. got to open your mind and you've stuck at a thing. And I'm like, what? thing like because <laughs> it had never occurred to me that she was like I have to be celibate for the rest of my life well it also occurs to me now that we're talking about it that so the beginning not the beginning but close to the beginning when it mm. is going over like sort of the history of their relationship mm. since have his carcass yeah and then it talks about they have that evening dinner at his club right because it's ah, that's what it is mm-hmm. after have his carcass I think it says it's three years but that was like uh, after yeah yeah Okay. So they they have this conversation at his club the same night that he finds out about the, the anonymous letters that reference mm-hmm. him. And that's what it's about. It's about heads or hearts, right? And yes. she's like, you know, I don't think the compromise works. I think you have to choose one or the other. Right. So then at the end when they're punting and he's like, you're trying to choose the life of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're finding all these you know, excuses to not like, if you're going to do it, do it. Like, I think you could find more peace there than with the life of the heart. And she's Mm -hmm. like, you're telling me that. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to be objective. Like, I think you could. And then he says that thing about how like she has her work. Right. And she's like, yeah, like she thinks that he feels guilty for like standing between her and like that life that she could have. Yeah. Um, it's just so, oh, it's just so like layered and it is so layered. Cause he, yeah, he perceives so much that he kind of like calls her in a whole bunch, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, I was like, you got that all from the dossier. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what gave him that inkling too, right? Cause I yeah. already had that conversation. Yeah. About, but also like, in the dossier mm-hmm. was her poem. Oh, her sonnet that he finishes. Which is very, very personal and like revealing, like, I mean, that's her artistic growth, right? Not that, so buyer beware, I'm not a huge fan of poetry. (laughs) I was like suffering through those. I was like, I'm happy for you. I think we should cheat. Okay. And move on to the building the romance. Okay. Uh, Because we're there. Prompt. Because we're there. We just naturally went there. We just naturally went there. I still think we should do the page turn. Did we finish building the mystery? We didn't. Let's just... Okay. So building the mystery, the one thing I have to talk about is how Annie spits in Peter's face. Oh, Oh, I know. So gross. And then he can't stop wiping his face. And I'm just like, well, I feel you, but like... Just go to the restroom. Like, <laughs> some water. Oh, and I'm just like, oh, so gross. Yeah. Yeah. She, they let her rant for so long. They let her rant for so Well, because they don't know what to do. I think that's one of those weird things. Again, like, they're obviously more rounded women than I think sometimes Harriet gives them credit for. Yeah. Because she's all like, mind or heart. Yeah. But they don't know what to do in the face of such crazy emotion like yeah, I think they're just yeah. all like oh whoa like everyone's stunned and do you think that there was probably an aspect of it too that was like a little bit of like morbid fascination probably like they just wanted to keep hearing her like explain herself and like what she was thinking when she did it all because they were just like what well yeah like the scholarly like they've all yeah. been living with what she's been doing to them for so long yeah. and all suspecting each other that she's like motive 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 and yeah. they're like 
What? Yeah, it was probably like so like jarring for them to like. And I love how I think is it Miss Barton at the end that, like takes her away, where the, she's just like, "Come now, Annie, like you wouldn't want your children to see you like this," and she's all like brisk about I it. Know. And, like, and they're like, "We'll just go put you in another room and get you a tea or something." And yeah. I'm like, "A what?" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so funny because Annie has quite obviously tried to deflect suspicion off of herself several times. But as soon as she sees that key, she's like, oh, we go there. Like, all right, I'm I'm full confess, guys. I'm not even going to deny it. No, like, she's, she's like, so delusional at that point. She's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, like, take me to court? And, like... Yeah, she's like, you guys can't do anything to me. No. I've been married and known the love of the man. I'm like, no. Like, (laughs) she's like, no one's going to take your side. Like, you're so clearly in the wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm in the right. You murdered my husband. Y'all did it. (laughs) Yeah, and it's really interesting because then after she leaves and Peter... Remember, because Miss Devine, who is really the crux of the whole thing, yeah, she has a bad heart, right? So at right. some point when Annie's ranting, Peter goes and he's up, holding her, and Harriet's like, he doesn't get it. Like this won't raise her heartbeat a bit. Like yeah, and then after, but then afterwards, she is like upset, and mm. Peter says something to her about like you know. I admit the principle and like the consequences have to follow. Like you did the right thing. There was nothing else you could have done. And she was like, yes, but like Miss Lydgate, for example, would have checked to see what happened to that unhappy man. And that never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting too. Yeah. But I, and I do get that guilt, but I also think that that's such like that, that shows like the effect of Annie's speech where she's basically accused them of being like unwomanly because another man would have done that Mm -hmm. and then never have had to suffer the consequences and never would have had to feel guilt for not looking up the family. No, exactly. And the whole thing about Annie's grudge would never have happened had it been a man because it's not something that men are... Yeah, she would have been like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, that was his right as a man to do that. Like, it's just because it was a woman that she was like, that's not what women should do. Yeah. 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 And Miss Lydgate, it's restated over and over again, is like very unusual person. Like, yes, one of a kind, like no one else is like that good hearted. Yeah. Um, it's just the way she naturally is. But yeah, like Miss Divine shouldn't have to be beating herself up for not having that instinct because mm-hmm. there's no, nothing to say that she should yeah. except society and Annie. centuries of <laughs> oppression and conditioning. <laughs> um, one more thing I will throw in there for building the mystery is the part where Harriet finds out from St. George that he met her in the Mm. garden one night. And that part is like the first time in this book that I got like a creepy chill when he describes her eyes looking so wild. And then she says to him, the other had fair hair too. Yeah. Oh, it's such a creepy, cryptic thing to say. I know. And because it has, it was so out of the blue in this book, like, you're just like, what other? What fair hair? What? Like, it was just like, yeah. that just gave me the creep. Yeah, and like, they eat boys, and it's like, oh my God, is there a boy buried in the fellow's garden? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. part was super creepy. So. Yeah, very creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, it was so creepy that he couldn't tell anybody about yeah. it because he was like, they would have made fun of it. Yeah. But it was not funny. No, yeah. 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 All right. All right. Well, we've moved on enough that I don't think we need to. I think we can just pull a random again. All right. 
ain't that a name? Names in the book that deserve a mention. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a few. There. Oh my gosh, there is so many. Like, <laughs> is this of the times, or is Dorothy L. Sayers just got like? I think she's having a laugh. She's having a laugh. Um, so not so many in the college. There's um, Mr. Elkbottom, <laughs> Lord Oakapple, and Miss Chilperic's fiance is Jacob Peppercorn. <laughs> and then most of the good names come from the part where Harriet goes back to London and goes to a literary party. And then when she's in town, she's also like talking about like the news of town, and yeah. it's just like a paragraph filled with delightful names. Yeah, we've got Tasker Heppelwater. <laughs> Uh, Walton Strawberry, Sneep Fortescue. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's more. I think you had a whole bunch. Too. I did. Um, yeah, mine was uh, Lord Gobbersleigh, Adrian Clute. Actually, there's a whole page. I just let me find it. Is <laughs> so, it just like I died laughing? I was just like, what is this? Yeah, and the names of the books too that she oh talks my about. Gosh, the names of the books. Mock Turtle. Okay, let's just talk about the yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Hillary, um, oh my gosh, it's like a thing now. Harriet goes back to town. Uh, town was empty, uninteresting, lots of things were going on. So heard the inner history of the quarrel between Lord Gobbersleigh, the newspaper proprietor, and Mr. Adrian Clute, the reviewer, entered warmly into the triangular dispute raging among gargantua color talkies latid, Mr. Garrick Drury, the actor, Mrs. Snell Wilmington, author of Passion Flower Pie, and into the details of Miss Sugar Tubin's monstrous libel action against the daily headline, and was, of course, passionately interested to learn that Jacqueline Squills had made a malicious expose of her second divorced husband's habits and character in her new novel, Gas-filled bulbs. <laughs> Gas-filled bulbs. <laughs> oh my god, so hilarious! But also, mock turtle. Yes, the plot of mock turtle. Oh my gosh, where is that? Let me just find it here. It's like some book that won a prize or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I even forgot. It was about a swimming instructor or watering place who had contracted such an unfortunate fortunate anti-nudity complex through watching so many bathing beauties that he completely inhibited all his natural emotions so he got a job on a whaler and <laughs> fell in love at first sight with an Eskimo because she was such a beautiful bundle of garments so he <laughs> married her and brought her back to live in a suburb where she fell in love with a vegetarian nudist <laughs> so then the husband went slightly mad and contracted a complex about giant turtles <laughs> and spent all of his time watching to the turtle tank at the aquarium and watching this slow strange monster swimming significantly around in their encasing shells <laughs> I was like what? That's <laughs> amazing. You just know that she's just skewering so many people oh, in the, that passage, but it is hilarious. It is so hilarious. <laughs> I, just, I died laughing reading that. It's like, this is the greatest. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Any other great names? Um, Book names? Well, we already mentioned the buttery, which I like. I think we should take note that the college is called Shrewsbury College. Yeah. Shrewsbury <laughs> College. Which I don't know if that was intentional or not. But there was but a shrew, like, oh, not, there was a, there was a woman. Countess of Shrewsbury. That the Countess it was of Shrewsbury. Named but after. Yeah, still, like, but, buried shrews. Mm-hmm. This is where shrews are buried. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then <clears throat> sometimes uh, Peter calls Harriet Domina. Oh, yeah. Which is, um, translates as mistress, but not like, not like 
she's his mistress, but like master or right. mistress of yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's good. And then I just, yeah, there's the whole similarity of names, like um, Vane Divine, which yeah. is the cause of the mix up of the note. And then there's Miss Martin and Miss Barton. And like, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. Also, that's Peter's nephew has a funny first name. Oh. St. George. St. George, yeah. Who calls her kid Saint? Well, I mean, other than <laughs> I feel like people did back in the day. There was like they Saint did, eh? John, which was for some reason pronounced Sinjin. Oh. There's a character in Jane Eyre called Saint John. Oh, okay, Sinjin. yeah. Um, yeah, it's not really so much done anymore unless you wanted to take it up as a tradition. Though. No, I think uh, Kanye West took did that. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it to Kanye. Then. We're gonna leave it to Kanye. <laughs> All right. Mm. All right. Ooh. <clears throat> Books with Brad. Oh. Which character in this book should be played by Brad Pitt? Well, if we can time travel. Yes. I feel like there's an obvious choice. It's St. George. St. George. Yes. Who is that beautiful young man? <laughs> <laughs> I just love how, like, yeah, they all are just like, what? And then even again, like, is it... Oh, one of the Dons, Miss Barton or something. That's like, I don't care for that. But then she like, I noticed it's just like, oh, I'm just going to go get my coffee. I'm going to crane my head over this way. Like, <laughs> and I love Miss Pike, who's one of my favorites. And she's like, a beautiful young man. Well, I should like to see him. And just like marches <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that they're still like, woo. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, he is the obvious choice. Also, because there's not very many men in this book at all. No, delightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. The detective and the Watson. Oh. Well, Harriet is the detective. She is the detective. Um, but then Peter is the detective. But then Peter. Well, because so she. Just by the breadth of his experience, yeah, like he has yeah. investigated many a case before. Whereas, like it's it's kind of delightful watching her learn. Oh, this works. Oh, this right. like when she has to break the glass as she yeah, does yeah, the thing, yeah. you know, where she's like, oh my god, it's exactly as I wrote it. Yeah, like, she's like, oh, like yeah. I didn't think of that. Like, yeah, she was like, oh. um, and so it's like her learning the detective, but Peter has already learned like the detached thing mm -hmm. and he's already learned he has the benefit of experience to know like pursue every avenue like yeah. go away and investigate this mm -hmm. go away and research this like find out the story behind this whereas yeah and I think that he too is like she's more used to crafting a puzzle yeah. whereas he's more accustomed to like looking at all the stuff and finding the patterns in yeah. it yeah yeah yeah, which, like, when she gets to the end of their books, like, she's laid it all out mm -hmm. so she can see the clues, but he's got the experience to be, like, these are all, like, to put that stuff together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There isn't really a Watson in this. <sighs> no, not really, because she doesn't know who she can talk to. Eventually, like, she does get the dean an alibi, yeah, and when Miss Edwards comes back, she does go run some things. I like that conversation they have about, like, whether or not there's a bomb at the gate. Yeah. And they're like, 
I just can't believe in a bomb. Like, well, neither can I, but just hypothetically. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That's when she gets called back. Like, yeah. Yeah. She, and again, like it's Mm -hmm. Peter's advice, like beware of like a random phone call, like call back and verify. He always has that experience. Like he has the experience to know, like if someone's attacking you, they're not going to use a knife in your back because that's actually, it just gets stuck in the bone. Yeah. Like, so he's like, they're going to try and strangle you. Like it's quieter. It's not as messy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he has all this benefit of experience. Mm-hmm. So in that way, he, when he does come back, he becomes the detective and she becomes the Watson. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But for the majority of the book, she's a detective. Yeah. 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 Bunter's not even in this. He is. He shows up the tiniest of the bits. He does the fingerprinting of like oh, the dark yeah, room. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he also like finds <laughs> a hairpin on the floor. He finds a hairpin, but also um Harriet and Peter go for like lunch or something at one of like the local places. Mm-hmm. And he just has like the person like the server like call for Bunter and he like writes a letter and has Bunter bring his seal. <laughs> Oh, wow. I'm just like, is Bender just like staying like at the, yeah, yeah it's so funny. Yeah. All right. Well, he's, he's barely in he's it. He's barely in it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But imagine if you had young Brad play St. <gasps> George and old Bender. <laughs> but Bender's not that old. You, he's, he's been through the war. He's world weary. It's world weary. <laughs> this doesn't make him old, though. <laughs> like the war just happened in these <laughs> Did it really? It's the twenties. Well, I mean, it's been five years since Harry and Peter met, and the war right. hadn't just happened then either. Bunter is gonna fossilize any day. <laughs> no, he's like, well preserved. <laughs> oh. Yeah, What's it's funny that because I have to say that the way that whimsy is written, I always picture him as like a tall man standing over people, being like, "What?" Yeah. But he and Harry are the same height. Yeah, yeah, they're the same height, which I also love. Yeah. I love that they're the same height. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this one? Oh, yeah, the detective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like she, she's, yeah, she's full detective until yep. he comes along. And she's got, she's got people she's trying to use, but she has to be very careful because she doesn't know who to trust. Yeah. And then most of them are, they're a little too close. They're a little too biased. Mm-hmm. And they're also almost all of them like almost too theoretical. Yeah. 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 Not practical enough. Not practical enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now we have building the romance. Oh, okay. Okay. So I find it very interesting because I I wonder, and maybe you can research this too, or maybe you already know. So this is the first book that starts with Harriet like mm-hmm. well no okay so if have his carcass also mm-hmm. starts with Harriet mm-hmm. she's taking mm-hmm. the walk but Peter comes in pretty early on yep. this book like he doesn't show up until like halfway yep. and so I had to wonder like what her readers were like and then like it's so I mean it's her quick wit it's her wonderful like world building mm-hmm. but like they're like what is this <laughs> like probably probably yeah. a lot of people did although I do think it was well received at the time Well I hope so Yeah um yeah and then when he comes in and I have to say this book particularly I mean we already talked about have his carcass that they like mm change like with their backs to each other and then yeah. like eye up each other's buddies. Yeah. But this one was the um physical attraction yeah. became like 
palpable. Mm-hmm. And I was so intrigued by that for these times. Yeah. 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 And it's like all about the river. And was so, oh God, the river. Just yeah. so well done. That moment where like she's like looking at him but not even realize she's looking at him. Mm-hmm. And then he looks at her. Yep. And, and she turns like bright red. And then he breathes as if he's been running. Yeah. Oh! It's so good. It's so good. You're just like, oh. Yeah. 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 It's just so, yeah, it's so good. Um, I think it's also like, I mean, it couldn't have been in some ways a better setup because she has to call on Peter because she mm-hmm. needs him as his expert or whatever. Mm-hmm. But his realization that she is changing, mm-hmm. like something is happening while mm-hmm. she's here. And like, you can tell that he's, he's, even when he's like, I'm going to go off and research this, he's like, but I'm coming right back. <laughs> like, <he's> like, <laughs> yeah. Something is happening here. Yeah. And like, there's that moment where like, I think she goes, he like meets up with her and like, they're uh, like, they go into like a flower uh, mm-hmm, market mm-hmm. and he's like, she's like, da, 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 flower market, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, yeah. and he's like, oh, I'm not going to talk about the case. Like, she doesn't even care right now. She's not thinking about that. Like, yeah, he lets yeah. it die on his lips. And yeah. I was like, oh. I know it's really this is the first time we see them just having fun being together yeah yeah they have all these really nice little moments and times and like times where Harriet's like I just feel so happy like yeah yeah but it's also there's such a slow build in this Mm. of little moments before he's even there like First of all, when she goes to the gaudy dinner and she gets really mad at people for bringing him up. Right, yeah. And then she realizes afterwards, she's like, oh, like, I've started to take him for granted and get used to him, but, like, he can still evoke all these, like, strong emotions. emotions. Yeah. What were you gonna, What were you gasping about? Well, I remember that dream. Yeah, she dreams about his embrace, and then she's like, "Oh, but dreams don't mean what they what yeah. they're overtly about." So that's not what it is. Like, if I was really into Peter, I would dream about. I don't even remember. It's like something ridiculous. Yeah, like but I'm like, "Oh, come now, Harriet. Let's yeah. not delude ourselves." <laughs> she's so deluded. <laughs> she is so deluded. Yeah. And then she finds out all this information about him from Saint George. Right. He's just like running his mouth off, and she's just like. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then Freddie Arbenoff, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Also. Tells her about, like, his work for the foreign office, and then she's just, then like... I get, I get a little confused about why she beats herself up so much. Like, she feels embarrassed that she mm, knows so knowing. little. But I guess it's because he's been taking her out to dinner for, like, years. Yeah. And she's never asked him anything I about himself. I think so. I think so, yeah. Like, what are you talking about, Harriet? <laughs> like, yeah, well, there's also, like, a really... Like, she was so determined not to like him, mm-hmm. even but though she, she never, clearly did like him. Yeah, she never bothered to find out anything about him. And yeah. then even when the dean was like, well, he went to Balliol, like, he took a first. And she's like, oh, well, you've clearly been going and checking up on him. Like, I've never done that. Yeah, like, and then she realizes that a whole bunch of the women probably yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she starts to not only learn more about about him as like more of a well-rounded human mm-hmm. but she also starts to like see him get humbled a little bit because yeah. like the whole situation with St. George and his family that she kind of gets involved with a little bit and she's like oh this is awkward like he wouldn't want me to know this but I have to like tell him and then um there's a part where they at the beginning of the river when they go punting and he runs into that old school yeah. friend and you guys just like you know oh whimsy like always laying down the law <laughs> He's just like so embarrassed in front of Harriet. And so I think she starts to see him like take 
taken down a peg. Yeah. His humanity. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting too, because she also talks about like, she paints a little bit more of a picture of like how they began because Mm -hmm. she talks about him coming and like taking her out of her house when she's like so sullen and won't see anyone. And he just keeps dragging around to even just like to little inns with good cooks. Like he has been trying to revive her humanity like Mm -hmm. this entire time. I know. I found that part so touching because, um, someone who has struggled with depression, like I've had people do that for me being like, you're not up to much, but I'm going to make you leave the house and take you out for lunch somewhere quiet and out of the way where you won't have to see anybody. And like, it's just such a loving thing to do for someone. And she says, even like, she's like, Looking back, she's, like, as amazed by his patience as with his persistence. Like, she just doesn't understand why he put in all the time and effort. Yeah. Well, then he finishes her sonnet. He finishes her sonnet, which is a bold move. It's a bold move. It's a bold move. And And she gets really mad about his use of sleep four times. Yeah, I know. And then she's like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't very good, but it was better than her beginning, (laughs) which was like monstrous of it. (laughs) But I thought it was, yeah, like... And she she starts to realize that like he's proposing like a, a world like a different way than she's mm-hmm. been able to see things like a compromise yes um and like what he appreciates of her and there's even like so that note that he sends her about like oh well you've told Saint George what you're up to like I don't know what you're up to but like hopefully it's not dangerous but if it is like good on you like go for it and she's like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wouldn't have expected that of him. She like, yeah. I think she saw him as like, I'm going to save you and protect you. Yeah. And like, he didn't even say like, if you need advice, like he was just like, I'm not going there. He was yeah. like, yeah, just do what you have to do. Like, I know you will because that's the kind of person you are. Yeah. And yeah, I think she says something like, well, that was an admission of equality. Yeah. And she didn't expect it of him. Yeah. And then she feels a little bit embarrassed too, that mm-hmm. she's like, oh, like I've read him rather wrong. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, there's that. And then there's the whole complication of Miss Hilliard, apparently like somehow falling in love with him in a very short period of time. Well, I don't know if it was love or if it was like infatuation. It couldn't have been love. No, like infatuation can happen so quickly. Mm -hmm. And again, for the time they all talk around it, Mm -hmm. but Hilliard seems to have been wronged wronged by a man at some yeah. point like left she's very bitter she's very bitter so there was someone everyone mm-hmm. seems to agree on that mm-hmm. and so then she was like no men are good yep. no men are this and then peter comes in mm-hmm. and like of course like impresses the hell out of everyone especially yeah. her yeah and she's, because he goes out of his way to impress her because he knows the way she is so he like in the dossier. researches like her whole like yeah. papers she's published and like it's like oh it's you you publish this paper and like yeah yeah but it doesn't quite realize the impact that it's going to have on how Hilliard treats Harriet yes because Hilliard becomes very mean yeah. to Harriet and basically calls her out and is like how dare you like. Yeah. Do this in Oxford. Harriet's like, do you think that we should come and misbehave ourselves in the most like inconvenient way possible in Oxford and we could go anywhere in the yeah. world? <laughs> yeah. And then it's so funny because like she tells Peter what's happened and Peter talks to Hilliard and like Hilliard comes and apologizes. I'm like, what did he say? 
I really wish that was in the book. Yeah, it shouldn't have been a cut scene. What was that? I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Miss Hilliard is like, I mean, it's interesting also watching because like Harriet doesn't want to talk about Peter at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to talk about him at the high table. Mm-hmm. She gives eventually gives a speech on like detecting and her mm-hmm. role and is like, oh, fine, his name has to cross my lips like every second sentence. Yeah. But she's trying to like stay back from him. And I think Hilliard even calls him calls her slightly out for like, you refer to him as Lord Peter Wimsey, but then I've heard you just refer to him as Peter. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you're a lot closer to him than you made it look like. And his nephews like embracing you like yeah. in front of all of us. And I mean, to the modern reader, I was like, what's the problem with that? Like, I mean, yeah. it's not nice of St. George. Like, you know, consent. Consent, St. George. <laughs> consent, St. George. Just because you're young Brad Pitt does not mean you don't have to ask for consent. Yeah. But of course it's of the times, like affection like that and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I feel like now I'm just thinking about young Brad Pitt. <laughs> Your <laughs> eyes are glazing over. But no, it was a, it signified something different back then. Yeah, it signified mm-hmm. something different. But she's watching all these women like all in their own way being very impressed by Peter. Mm-hmm. And they are all women that she like, you know, was so afraid of not having their respect. Yeah. Like of not like, you know, yeah. of wanting to be one of them, of wanting to mm-hmm. and so the fact that they're all like, this is quite the man. Yeah. I think is a little persuasive to her, as it would be. Like mm-hmm. if you brought a man to like all your best friends and they were like, oh yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah. And that's yeah. another thing with the part with Miss Edwards where she's like, yeah. oh, he's interesting and, and Harriet's like, like to the, like to the, a woman or to a biologist. And she's like, well, both. Yeah. <laughs> she's like to many women, I would imagine. And Harriet's like, oh. Yeah. 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 So it's very interesting for her to like kind of see mm-hmm. all of these academic women be like, woo, the mind of that man. Like, yeah. you know, I think the Dean's like, oh, that man is dangerous. Yeah. Like, yeah. But she's like titillated by him. She's and- totally titillated <laughs> by him. And he's like, what does he do? Is there something about like compliment her feet or something? He, like I that? think he gets down and kisses he them. He gets down and kisses her feet. And Harriet's <laughs> like, well, you do have nice feet. And she's like, yes, they have been admired, but seldom so publicly or after five minutes acquaintance. <laughs> but she loves it she like does he, love it. and that's the thing too like he reads them all so well yeah 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 but i do think that like you know these are women's who, opinions who she admires mm-hmm. and, and the respects, fact that he can yeah. like conquer all of them yeah and hold his own yep yeah sexy sexy mm-hmm. yeah and he doesn't pop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dr. Threep. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and okay, so one other thing we talked about the dog collar, like, whoa, there. Oh, he, yeah. He puts, he buys her a dog collar and, and puts, he a puts dog it collar on, on her. her. Saves her life, though. It does save her life, but there is some serious subtext happening there. There is, there, for sure, there is. Yeah, I wonder yeah. what Peter and Harriet eventually get up to down the road. Oh. That dog collar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the chessman. The chessman. Mm, he buys her the chessman. Yeah. But then he's like, if they weren't perfect, I wouldn't have bought them for you no matter what. And I'm like, oh, whoa now. <laughs> like, she wanted them. Like, 
but yeah, then but she's then, like, yeah, but then I wouldn't have wanted them either because I would have always known there was one wrong and I would have been like, oh, yeah, they made a beautiful chessman, but this one is broken or like <laughs> this one is new. And I'm, and I actually did appreciate that as like a thrifter and like a vintage yeah. person. I would, I always am like, oh, but it has a chip here. Like, <laughs> so I do get that. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, it's very like she's basically like with like letting him, well, the dog collar, then the chessmen come along. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, I don't know. Allowing gifts is like allowing a little bit of courtship. Like it is, yeah. And then she also he makes a comment about how she's allowed him to affect her work because she talks to him about how she's having trouble with her new novel, and he suggests that what she needs to do is like, you know, deepen the characters, yeah, and turn it into like you know something that will explore some actual emotion and she's like well I'm scared to do that it might hurt and he's like well yeah it might hurt but like what does that matter if it makes a good book yeah and so then she she does start working on it and then Mm -hmm. he's like oh like if we've come that far yeah but I think one of the biggest parts for me at the end of this is okay so we talked a lot in Strong Poison about how we took issue with Peter waltzing in there and like during that time Proclaiming his love and whatever when she's on trial for murder. And, and how he's good at sex. And how he's good at sex and how inappropriate <laughs> that was. And then he apologizes uh-huh. for that in this book. And I just think that never happens in books. Yeah. Uh, rarely in life, but never in books. Especially like two books later. Yeah. Yeah. Like that shows such immense character growth on his part. Mm-hmm. Because... As much as we were like, this book is all about Harriet's growth into back to like a person finding her humanity, finding her passions from a huge trauma. Mm -hmm. This is also a book about a man who has met a woman who, I mean, it shouldn't just happen that they meet a woman who's their match kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I don't know. It's empathy. Like it's empathy and it's like meeting someone who challenges you to do better. Yeah. And yeah. like, it's been a long time, but he's been mm-hmm. really working on it. And yeah, like a whole bunch of the things he says, you know, like run into danger, like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, make yourself go through a really hard thing to write an amazing book. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then he's like, and I'm sorry that in the middle of everything you were going through, like, I was like, my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. He, like, he apologized for it, which is like so amazing. It's refreshing. It's so refreshing. And then he also tells her that like one of the things he's been trying to do is like cancel out the debt that she feels she owes him for her life by being like, go ahead, like do something dangerous, risk your life, take it on. Like, yeah. Um, reclaim your life. Yeah. Like I don't own it. Yeah. 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 Which is just like, Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And which like, he kind of points out that she did with like Mm -hmm. the dog color situation. Like he gave her the instruction, the means, but like that was her life at risk that she went like, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just so satisfying. It's such a satisfying, like, because then in the end, of course, they it, the book does end with them getting engaged in, like, the most academic way possible. <laughs> because I had probably read this, like, twice before I looked it up. Yeah. But the what he says to her is placetne magistra. Mm-hmm. And she says placet. Okay. And then they embrace so yep. from context, you can tell what just happened. Yeah. But so 
I looked this up, and near the beginning of the book, it mentions how he sent, so he regularly proposes to her, often mm-hmm. by letter or, like, telegram. And it says one time he sent her one that began dispiritedly with num, which is the Latin um, the participle that expects a negative answer. Mm. And so what I then read was that placetne, ne, would be the opposite of that. So it expects... Um, I have read two different things. I've read that it expects a positive answer mm. or that it expects a neutral answer. Mm. Um, and so a lot of people were like, well, there's another one that's like N-O-N-N-E, so like nonne, mm. um, which is the one that expects like for sure you're going to say yes. So num would be, I don't think you're going to say yes. Nonne would be like, I think you're definitely going to say yes. But ne is like neutral. It's like whatever you choose Mm. is yours. Yeah. And that's what he says to her. Like, and so it's, will you magistra, which is like scholar. Yeah. The female version of the feminine version of scholar. And she says, plus that. It's like, Oh, so cute. It's so, so, so good. Yeah. That also reminds me of mm-hmm. when she is back in town mm-hmm. and it's April 1st mm-hmm. and she spends the whole day waiting for his proposal. And she even gets a letter from Italy where she knows he is, but it's like from a translator, one of the translator yeah. books and she's, she's so like, mad. Ah! <laughs> yeah. That's when you really start to see like, she's like, is it not coming? It better fucking come. Like yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. yeah. And then she finally gets it with, with palm frit. <laughs> oh, palm frit. Uh, palm frit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Ooh, is there any? Oh. Oh. here. Okay. Ooh. Shoot twixt wind. <laughs> Shoot twixt wind and water in this book. So shoot twixt wind and water is a sex euphemism. And we specifically picked this one this time mm-hmm. because Harriet's book that she's writing is called what? Uh, death twixt wind and water. <laughs> so I did not know this until we found all these sex euphemisms for this podcast. And I was like, what Harriet? <laughs> but it comes back to, it's a medieval saying, like from medieval era, which is like, which was Dorothy Sayers' area of study. So she yeah. would have been familiar like, with this. It's it's like an elegant writing, but then you're like, oh, oh. I know it's so gross. It's, a <laughs> it's actually really, really gross. I'd like death <laughs> twixt wind and water. Her novel, it's like set in like a windmill island oh, or something. Okay. So it's like actually water. It's not like urine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also find it's funny that like her book is a se- is like a call to a sex euphemism with all like the mm-hmm. sex stuff in the book like yeah, yeah. sex and sex repression and mm-hmm, it's like is mm-hmm. such a huge thing in this book so yeah. so it's a little bit of a hidden uh, a little a little thing there a little thing there uh-huh. but there isn't actually any shooting twigs wind and water happening. <sighs> no although you do have to wonder what all those undergraduates are getting up to necking Necking. necking, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> Climbing over the wall. Climbing over the walls, yeah. Um, For sure, St. George was doing some... Oh, I'm sure St. George was getting lots. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Probably with like, yeah, just lots. I mean, yeah. he's young Brad. He's young Brad, and he's also like, he's like a hair, an 
He's an heir. <laughs> <laughs> he has great hair. It does note he that. Does, yeah. He's an heir to like a large fortune. Like he's yeah. going to be a, vi- like he's a Viscount. He's a Viscount. Yeah. Gonna and he's going to be the Duke of Denver. And he's also like super funny. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not dumb. Yeah. And he has Peter's hands. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And voice. Yeah. Yeah. He's got it all. Yeah. And the hotness. And the hotness. To <laughs> no parrot boot. beak for him. No parrot beak. Yeah. <laughs> he really lucked out. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And he also has the good sense to have recognized that Peter is like the best one in his family. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So. Alrighty. All right. Whoa there. Problematic things in the book. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so there's a few, there's a few, like, um, random, as always in these books, like, casually termed things um, for, like, different races and stuff. Well, Eskimo is no longer an appropriate thing. We say the Inuit. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, when she's reconnecting with old friends at the Gaudi, there's, like, someone who's an architect, and she makes some comments about, like, natives in the places Mm -hmm. where she's working. Um, I think one of the big things that we need to address in this book is the romanticization of Oxford. Oh. Um, because there's even a whole part when she's at the Gaudi where she's listening to a, the some you know head university person giving a big speech and she's rhapsodizing about how it's like they're all equal and this mm. you know citizens of this great mm. you know and it's like well that's because mm. you're white <laughs> yeah yeah because there's a lot of problematic history i mean of course we said that oxford was spent like way 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 back when but i mean even today there are people trying to address things like the fact that tons of their funding came from and continues to come from the estates of like slaveholders and imperialists and mm-hmm. there's like you know the Rhodes scholarship from cecil rhodes who was like a pretty like blatant white supremacists who like literally like wanted to create a secret society in the world to like get like British white rule everywhere in the entire world. Oh. Um, and so there's a currently a movement called the roads must fall because oh. they have a statue of him there. Oh. I think they have finally agreed to pull it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to link to an article that I read by uh, one of the very few black professors at Oxford addressing oh. it, which is a really good read. Um, but yeah, they still get funding from the Rhodes estate. They still get funding from the estate of a, a slave owner called Christopher Codrington, who like was very instrumental in like disenfranchising Native Africans in South Africa. Um, and according to a lot of contemporary students, there's still like rampant race and class discrimination going on at Oxford oh. to this day. So this book really does not <laughs> give you a clear picture of Oxford University. No. Um, so that's like a big one mm-hmm. for the woe there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, in terms of not, we touched a lot on the class in terms of like yes. servants and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And even like Annie's husband, who is the one who committed suicide, mm-hmm. They like casually say like, oh yes, well his career was like hampered by the fact that in a moment of weakness he married his landlady's daughter. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it's just stuff like that where you're just like, really, like, 
You know, just because someone is a landlady's daughter doesn't necessarily mean that they're worse than you. And clearly you can see that Annie had been twisted in her mind um, and possibly had been off balance from the start. But like she was a very intelligent woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's even the way that she's described that she used to be attractive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Before she got so thin and worried looking. Yeah. Like, like, okay, well, she's a widow with two small children trying to like make a living. And And also like he didn't commit suicide right away. Like he became a drunkard. Yeah. Like for like an alcoholic for quite a few years Mm -hmm. before he killed himself. So like that would have been a tough ride. And they were very poor. Yeah. Yeah. So she's had a hard road. She's had a hard road. Um, there is also a part where Paget the Porter says what this country wants. Oh is a my Hitler. god! Yeah, <laughs> that was what I was going to mention earlier because like Paget is so awesome yeah. in so many ways. But yeah, he casually just is like Hitler, and you're like, oh Paget. Yeah, like, yeah. And the, I do, I do love the way that conversation ends because the guy's like, he's talking to like the decorator painter guy, and the guy's like, this is a weird job you've got. Like, what did you do before you worked here? And he's like, I was the assistant camel hand at the zoo. <laughs> and he's like, oh, like how come you left? He's like, I got bit in the arm by a female. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so odd. And then again, like the camels come up when P- when yeah. Peter is like, he's like, and he's like, good God. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I. I love Paget's like, he's just like, yeah, just so repaint this room. Yeah, I'll just get some turpentine. Like the whole time he's yeah. like, yep, I'm just here. Yep, we're going to catch this. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm like, why don't you kind of just drop the Hitler in there? <laughs> yeah. Like Paget. But I mean, as you said, like it's the 20s. It yeah. is unfortunately at the time when like England was a little bit like, mm-hmm. oh, we kind of like, yeah. you know, a lot, unfortunately a lot of powers were like oh that guy's yeah yeah but then there is also mentioned like that germany is performing like mm-hmm. sterilization yeah yeah and miss barton's book that annie burns is called women in the modern state and it's attacking the german um like philosophy of like i can't remember it's like kirker yeah there's three yeah. words it's like basically about how women need to stay in the home yeah and so that's happening there. But then you also get in this book, Miss Schuster Slatt. Oh, Miss Schuster Slatt. Who's an American who's here, like, promoting eugenics. Yes. And that's also problematic in this book because they're just treated as, like, a harmless annoyance. Yeah. They're not, like... They're not <laughs> Whoa there! Whoa there! <laughs> yeah, they're just like, I'm not sure how good... Yeah, like, the English don't do surveys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's even where Harriet's like, oh, Peter, like, you're so good to be so patient with her. I lose my patience with that harmless woman. And it's yeah. like, oh, no, 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 no. Not so harmless. Not so harmless. Yeah. 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 So, like, there's some pretty heavy topics dropped mm-hmm. through that mm-hmm. sometimes you're not sure, like, where everybody stands on them. Because, of course, yeah. like, the sterilization part comes up when... It's, I think it's like the senior oh, common room yeah. is like debating what to do with criminals. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how Miss Edwards, the science tutor, is like, well, you know, from a financial point of view, they should be used for laboratory experiments. <laughs> <laughs> She's totally serious. I know. <laughs> yeah. Because like one person's like, oh, uh, you know, like, I don't think that we should hurt murderers. Yeah. 
And I also don't think that we should like imprison them or something. And I'm like, what do you want to do with them? Like, <laughs> yeah. I know, but then someone else is like, oh, you want to like feed and house them at the expense of like everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole debate. Yeah. So there are some really heavy. There's some really heavy topics, but yeah. it does provide, those ones aren't so problematic because they do provide like a differing viewpoint. Exactly. Yeah. They're I, not just like thrown in there as the narrative. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, obviously the book doesn't condone it because like Harriet is the heroine or whatnot, mm-hmm. but it is interesting how many times like she's kind of treated like a slut. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. And had like that thrown on her mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, geez. Like, yeah. Yeah. You have sex with one guy. <laughs> one guy and get tried for his murder. <laughs> like, All of a sudden you're the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it is very like, um, of the time and yeah, I think it's like the moral superiority, which of course still happens today, but like, yeah. Yeah. And the assuming like that they Mm -hmm. know at all what's going on with her or what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I do wonder, I don't know that if, if I mentioned this in, um, any of the Dorothy Sayers bio parts Mm in the beginning, but Dorothy Sayers did have a child out of wedlock. Oh, um, and she hid it. Oh. So very few people knew. Oh. Um, but. So can you just clarify? Was it like in the attic or like <laughs> with like another family? <laughs> her cousin adopted it. Okay. Him. Okay. Adopted her son and raised him. Better than the attic. Better than the attic. <laughs> but of course, like she was working in office while she was pregnant. Like oh. it couldn't have been hidden that well. And so you do have to wonder like how much of the kind of stigma that mm. she shows Harriet experiencing was something mm. that she also mm. experienced. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I think All that's right. our woe there. I think we're down to our last prompt. Ooh. Feminism 101, Queens of Crime. All right. Well, um, I feel like we've touched a lot on the feminist aspects of this book. Mm. Um, and of Dorothy Sayers' life. Um, <clears throat> so I think, yeah, the big the big one in this book is sort of like the whole conflict between do you choose the life of the mind or the life of the heart? Mm-hmm. And the shitty, shitty truth that in the 20s you had to pick one. Right. Yeah. And I think what made this book so remarkable was showing the reader that this is like this is a real struggle yeah yeah like it's not there isn't like a natural thing for women to be Mm -hmm. you know like it's not natural for you to like get married and have kids it's not unnatural for you to not get married and have a career and be an academic and be a scholar it's like Mm -hmm. you can have all of that within you yeah 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 I like how it's I mean it's got a kind of like a you can have it all resolution for Harriet without being like you can have it all like mm-hmm. because it is still a compromise like she's not going to be an academic but she does have her writing and she mm-hmm. can invest in it yeah. emotions and like you know realized people like she can yeah. deepen that writing and she's yeah. found her poetry and she can also have love mm-hmm. but she's also like it I mean it doesn't beat you over the head with it but like she's a like 
Well, it kind of does. Like she's a wealthy woman. Like yeah. she's already like financially independent. She's mm-hmm. got her own car. Mm-hmm. She's into her fashions. Yeah. Um, and she's gonna marry Peter, who's yeah. super wealthy. Yeah, and she does say that. She's like, she had the opportunity to marry into enough wealth that it wouldn't matter like one way or the other. Like yeah. she could do whatever she wanted. Yeah. But the choice, like, mm-hmm. you know, and that decision and that like intention is still such a you know, like that is a real struggle. And then also like there's a part which we haven't touched on at the beginning mm. where she has that conversation with Catherine Fremantle, the old student. Oh who the ma- farmer. The farmer who <laughs> because like Peter is also portrayed as a very unusual man right so Mm -hmm. it's not every husband that would be cool with you just pursuing your interests yeah because Catherine Fremantle is an example of a gifted scholar who chose to get married and her life was just hardship after hardship after hardship and Harriet says to her like that's crazy like surely it would have paid better for you to get some kind of academic work and hire someone to do all the farm work. And she Mm -hmm. was like, my husband wouldn't have liked that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was also the reality for a lot of women too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, because Harriet also kind of examines the ones who have come back to the Gaudi and the ones who are married. Like there's also Phoebe. Mm -hmm. Phoebe Tucker. Phoebe Tucker, who has married a... She's a historian who married an architect. Archaeologist. Archaeologist. Yes. Right. I was, was going to be like, Indiana Jones. <laughs> she married Indiana Jones. She married Indiana Jones. She like <laughs> popped out three kids because it basically yeah. is like she just dumps them on grandparents and goes back to the dig. Yeah. But like that also seems very unusual. For sure. Yeah. And Harriet recognizes that that's super unusual. Yeah. And then there's her friend that she actually, the reason that she goes to the Gaudi is her mm-hmm. sick friend yeah. who has married. Yeah. And just seems like her, she peaked at school. She peaked at school. Yeah. She had like kind of mental stagnation um, that, yeah. And like Mm -hmm. probably good she didn't become a scholar. Yeah. Or like it was her life after that just like, you know. Not stimulating. Not stimulating. Like she just didn't keep it up. Yeah. Or she was also just like, I mean, we've all... Known people like. <laughs> well, no, like I, I thought that was where I was going with that awkward little head bob you did <laughs> to you. You mental stagnation. No, we like, all know them. People, well, yeah, like people who peak in high school. People yeah. who peak, yeah. like who can do that level of academia yeah. and are young and bright enough, but like you know, 10 years on having Mm -hmm. kids, having married, like, yeah, like their minds just aren't, they, it wasn't, they weren't meant for that long haul. Yeah. (laughs) feels super cruel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting too, because there's a part, I just thought this was like a little throwaway line that really rang true for me when she's talking about two of her other friends that she saw there at the Gaudi. And she said they had obviously kept in touch because they were discussing things and not people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Like, um, if you, if she's and it's something like people who had like lively interests in common do that. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, it's so true. It's so true because even like all of her conversations there, everyone's like, oh, how's it going? Like, I mean, with her, they obviously like books, books, like, cause a yeah. lot of them had read her books, but then they're like, did you see this person or that person yeah. or this person? Like everyone's like yeah. checking up on everybody else. Like mm-hmm. it's one big gossip hang. Yeah. 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 Um, 
But yeah, the Catherine Fremantle conversation also brings up the question of um, you're doing your proper job, Mm. which honestly, I wish I had read this sooner in my life (laughs) 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 because she, they have this conversation where Harriet's like, or Catherine says to her, I came down with a lot of notions about the dignity of labor. Mm. And I feel like I didn't go work on a farm, but I feel like that is what happened to me when I was in university. I was like, this is nonsense. This has no relation to like the struggles of the real world. Like Mm. I just want to like have a job. Right. And like, and then I did. And unfortunately I have not been able to get out of that cycle. (laughs) But Harriet says to her, like, no, like I'm sure you're wrong. She's like, you should do your job, whatever it is that you're called to, that you're suited for, no matter what it is. And she's like, I agree with you. Like the plow is a nobler tool than the razor. Mm -hmm. But if your natural talent is for barbering, you should be a barber and like use the money to speed the plow if you want. But like you can't get away from what you actually are meant to do. Well, you can, because I fear that for many people, that's what happens. Well, yeah, yeah. But I do think that is, yeah, like it's the unhappier, yeah. like, you know, like the way that that woman was at the Gaudi mm-hmm. where she was like defiant, like I've done a noble thing, but she's clearly unhappy. She yeah. even calls out the fact that like Harriet's noticed that she's old and she's like, we're only three years apart in age and I look like 20 years older than you. Yeah. Like she's not happy, but then no. she's like, I have to defend my choice. And I feel like that's so many people, like once they've started down like a path, they're like, this is what I have to do. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, it's also, it's, it's not saying like everyone just gets to live their dream because we hate those memes. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) Because not everyone's dream is something that they're suited for. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like if you if you have something that you love mm. and you can try for that, you know, like Yeah. But even if, if you're even if it's not your job, even if it's not your career, like because I think back then, obviously it was way easier to make money doing many things like writing and mm. academic work, which I don't think is the case today. But, you know, so even if it's not like how you make your livelihood, like don't stop pursuing the things that you care about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think a case could be made for like doing your proper job. It's like, I'm making this podcast. I'm not getting paid for it. But but you know what I mean? Well, I think it's too, it's like also recognizing like, like if you have a talent, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. um, cause sometimes I think people are really good at things that they're like, Oh, I don't like, you know, it's not my dream, but it's like, but if it, if you're really good at it, like, and you can get that done, then like, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're not struggling so hard. Then you can actually like maybe work towards the dream. Whereas this woman, like she probably was not very good at plowing. No. (laughs) And Harriet says that, right. Or thinks that she's like, you know, any, you know, just cause it's noble. Like if you're falling on your face and it's taking you twice as long, it's not worth it. It's not what you're meant to be doing. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. so that's and there's really... some people who are really good at plowing. Like, yeah. let them plow. Let them plow. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the best is when you can find something that you're really good at and you really enjoy. That's of course, like, and you can make tons of money doing it. Yeah, it's the dream. But like, yeah, I, yeah like I do, I do like the thing of like find your mm-hmm. your proper job. Yeah, like job used loosely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, there's also like again like the marriage question, and Harriet starts looking at all the different women, right? Mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. Um, even Miss Schuster Slatt in her eugenics survey mm. is like all about encouraging, um, like educated people to marry and reproduce. Mm-hmm. And then Harriet has this whole like thing where she's like, well, like, you know, it would be great if all the educated women could marry educated men, mm-hmm. but like men don't often want to marry educated women. It's such a good point. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, it's often considered like sweet and noble of a man to marry like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think in my, uh, my 20s, I think you were there. I think we had this argument with someone, not an argument, a discussion uh, with someone. And uh, so it was someone that we knew and she was kind of like boldly, not boldly, like loudly. She was really like, I don't want children. I don't uh-huh. like, you know, I and like most of my friends don't want children and blah, blah, blah. And this was an educated person that I was like, well, it's interesting because I have a lot of educated friends and in my twenties, like most of them did not want children. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. none of the educated women I know want children because yeah. it's still that choice. Yeah. Like yeah. have a career or have children. Now, you know, uh, c- quite a few of them actually ended up changing their minds mm-hmm. into their thirties. Mm-hmm. And now we're like that old mom, <laughs> <laughs> you know, trend that's happening. Yeah. Um, and I think it was partly, you know, the, I don't want children was that like, oh, we don't want to do this in our young Mm twenties and like make that choice to basically just get out of the career market. Like, cause the myth of having it all. But I do remember kind of becoming a little alarmed that like most of the women that I thought were intelligent and had wonderful things to pass along weren't doing it. Yeah. 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 Not that I feel like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in favor of eugenics. Like, <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. But I just thought it, I was a little like, oh boy, like yeah, because we can look at this book and say like, oh, back then you couldn't have a job and a and a family, and as though you can today, and it's easy. I mean, I think the pandemic has made it very, very clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in Canada, and like you can look up any major newspaper. Mm-hmm. And at least once a week, there is an article about how the pandemic has like adversely affected women, that this has put the women's movement back 30, 40 years, Mm -hmm. that women are the ones who have given up their jobs, who have taken on more of the housework, more of the childcare. And we always were. Like, I think it was a New York Times survey that said like 50% of men said they were holding up like, um, you know, their, their end of like child rearing and yeah. uh, housekeeping during the pandemic. And it was like 3% of women agreed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I sent that article to my husband. <laughs> because it's true. Like it wasn't, because it's also, it's part of the, you know, the women not having the equality of pay. Yeah. Because everyone was like, well, we had to make a decision and he made more. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, really, things haven't changed a huge time. They have not. And not everyone gets to marry a Peter Whimsy and have all the money. Yeah, no, no, I love my husband. He's no whimsy. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he doesn't listen to our podcast. He doesn't. <laughs> As one of my other dear, dear friends said, perhaps when we stop talking about obscure books. <laughs> and, and having our podcast run for two hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. We know the one or two of you out there who are really into it are really into it. Though. Yay. We're here for you. <laughs> it's just us listening on repeat. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like I find that this book, I, I do. I So going back to your original thing that you wish that you'd read this when you were younger. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I certainly, this is feminism. That used to be another question we asked in a previous season. Like, would you give this book to your daughter? Yeah. And that is a big hell yeah. Yeah. Because this book talks about so many things. Because I went to university mm-hmm. and... Like, I did not, like, you know, I, I don't even know why, like, it is a little bit of a, like, upper middle class thing, like, Mm -hmm. it was that just considered the next step and that kind of stuff, but I didn't even go there, like, in pursuit of, like, the job, though I did go in pursuit of, like, I, I went for art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you weren't getting any jobs with that. I wasn't getting any jobs with that. Though, weirdly in my life, my art degree has more than once come in handy on a resume, which has been a pleasant surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting. So, because the university I went to, like, it was very obvious that, like, um, you know, most of them were not entering into academic careers. Most Mm. like, you know, um, and like the engineering college was still mainly full of men and there was a lot of women, like it was a, it was a bad joke. It's not a good joke, but like looking to get their MRS degrees, which are the Mrs. degrees, like, yeah, which that's still something that women are being groomed to be right. Like you go to university to meet the men who are getting degrees yeah. like yeah. yeah it's not a great thought it's not no. pleasant but it's still still happens still happens yeah, yeah. well it's kind of like the miss catermole character in this book mm, right like, catermole yes because yes yes yeah she came up and she was engaged she's like oh i didn't think it would matter like i would keep up when i was engaged and then like mm-hmm. engagement falls through and she's just like a mess and she wants to be a cook yeah. And her parents are like, you can't be a cook. Like, well, yeah. not that she probably told them. No. It didn't sound like she had, but she, and that's actually another interesting perspective is that there is also this pressure. Like I had mm-hmm. pressure to go to university. Yeah. Like you have to do this in order to like guarantee yourself like a successful job after. Mm-hmm. And again, like, was that my job? I'm not sure. Like, yeah. you know, and so people who are being pressured to spend tons and tons of money that they may not have, take out student loans to go to university when maybe they just want to go to chef school, mm-hmm. maybe, which is like, you know, I love food. Mm-hmm. Like everyone wants a, like, to yeah, know a like, good chef. Honestly, <laughs> if you know what it is you want, just beeline for it it doesn't matter where it is I think a lot of people like I got told the worst advice when I went to university like it doesn't matter if you don't know what you want to do just take a bunch of stuff and something will stick out to you and nothing stuck out to me Hmm. well yeah yeah, I was told it doesn't matter you just need a degree like go do art if that's what you want to do but I wish someone had told me how much plumbers make (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. 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 And that's also a class thing too, is like yeah. nowadays, yeah. like, I mean, they're really trying to, you know, steer people back to the trades, but mm-hmm. for quite a while in like North American society, like going mm-hmm. into the trades is considered like second class, like, oh, you're not smart enough. Yeah. yeah. And that's neither helpful nor there. <laughs> and also very male dominated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very male dominated. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's a little bit off topic, but I feel like all these things come up when you read this book mm-hmm. because the academic experience is so like, there's parts of this book that I think can, even if you haven't gone to mm-hmm. like upper level university, like mm-hmm. there's still parts of it that you can recognize that choice, that wondering, like, yeah. is this yeah. the right job for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you've never worn subfusk attire. Even if you've never worn subfusk attire. Um, yeah. Or had to figure out how to get your crimson thing flipping just so. <laughs> just so. Or like yeah. walk at a certain angle to like accommodate <laughs> the weight of your hood or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and we've touched on a lot, but mm-hmm. like, I just want to say like people, if you have read this once because I trust you haven't listened to this without reading it at least once but if you be a long haul but I urge you to go back and reread because there's just every single part in this book is so well so well written there's mm. so many good lines so mm-hmm. many good little like throw away things that just like will get you in the gut because you're just like yes 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 yeah it's immersive it yeah. Is. The, yeah, my third reread, I started it, I think, oh, what's today? Like five days ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I had to postpone this recording because I wasn't done. I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, I need to be done this. Yeah. But I was shocked because um, sometimes when you reread a book that you've read several times, mm-hmm. it takes you a little while to mm-hmm. like get really into the flow of it. Yeah. But no, like from page one, I was just like, oh yeah, okay, let's, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, there's just like such a unique quality to this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. All, right, all right, let's judge it by its cover. Ooh. Well, like all of the mystery books, yeah. we don't have. No. <laughs> Mine's got like a little rectangle in the middle of a Oxford building with an archway. And a silhouette of Harriet, I assume, again, with the hair. I'd like to think it's not <laughs> Harriet. And her hand is white. Yeah. Me. It's a very, yeah, it's not good. Mine is weird. Mine is uh, much the same as yours, like big author name on top mm-hmm. and then like a little scene. Mine is, it looks like um, inside, <laughs> it's in a room. There's uh-huh. a large, like, multi-paned window. It appears slightly open. The curtains are really blowing. There's oh. books scattered all over the floor. There's a weird, like, archway. And someone, again, Harriet, the hair is on, <laughs> wearing a robe, is, like, standing away from the window. But oddly... Her gown is blowing the opposite way of the curtains. curtains. So is she running from the window? And the window is like beaming a light on her that she seems to be struck by. Is that Harriet? It's like a man. Well, 
this is a good question. What man would that be? And also, like, because Harriet has short hair. The beam of light kind of looks like it's attacking. This I know. Person. They're like, ah! And, like, that's why, like, their robe is flying the uh, opposite way of the breeze. <laughs> like, yeah. It's. I'm like, what where what part of the book is this supposed to illustrate? Yeah, I don't know. That part where that person got attacked by a beam of light. <laughs> <laughs> Gives you the wrong impression. But then I thought, oh, maybe this is like the poison pen and like it's a Harriet or someone with like their flashlight trying to get into like the library. Oh, beaming it through the window. Because she's like throwing the books all over the floor. Yeah, it's not how I picture Annie. It's a no. <laughs> <laughs> a tall person in a long purple robe. Well, technically, we don't know how tall this person is. It's just that that door seems to have multiple entryways that are shrinking. Oh, it's true. <laughs> yeah, why are there no good additions? I don't know. And also, I have to say that I am not a fan of my font. Oh, and you have mm. gold Mine font. Mine is at least gold. I'll give it that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, is that Harriet on the spine? Peter and Harriet on the spine? I do believe that that's Peter and Harriet on the spine. I don't like those drawings. <laughs> also, you're going to love this one. Look at Harriet on the back. No. <laughs> so she is walking. We will post this. Yes, we'll post a picture. She, uh, Peter is walking. Again, look how giant he is. He's so much more giant than she is, and she's looking very coy. She's got her hands, like, clasped together to the side, like, Oh, Peter. And, she's and he's like tiny. walking like a maitre d'. He just gets like one of those like cloths over his he arm. Why are, his, why are his shoulders so bright? It looks like a football player. Because that's how we know he's attractive and, okay. you know, strong. Indeed. Broad shoulders. Yes. Yeah. Boo. Boo. Because this book, this person who illustrated this clearly read this book <laughs> and came up with a whack load of feminism. <laughs> and it's clearly listening to us right now. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. that concludes our Gaudy Night episode. It does. Thanks for hanging in, everybody. Yeah. How long was that? I don't. don't, I'm not even going to look. I don't know. Well, (laughs) thanks for sticking it through. I mean, you can always pause podcast because we talked about doing this in parts, but you can just press pause. You can just pause us. I love how we tell them that at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you didn't know what your pause button was, but. (laughs) Hereby give you permission to go back in time and start this over again and pause us. Um, yeah, so if you were as pumped about Peter and Harriet as we are, good news. There's one more. one more to go where we get to see their wedding and their married life. Which I love because so often mm-hmm. things just end at marriage. It's true. And then they lived happily ever after. You get to see a little bit of this ever after. And I really enjoy the insight into this ever after because... While this book obviously has shown, like, you know, like a a real growth of empathy as Peter is a character, the Mm -hmm. next book I really feel provides some very interesting, like, insight and, like, further rounding of him. Mm -hmm. And also, like, their marriage is such a wonderful display of difference but equality. And it's not, and it's not all roses either. Like they're no. still working through some yeah. of their deep seated issues, but oh, yeah. they're doing it together and it's, yeah. yeah it's well, that's really... what a marriage, I, well, I mean, I feel like <laughs> it's two people supporting each other and, you know, yeah. in the muck. Exactly. <laughs> so my marriage is. 
<laughs> Don't worry, my husband doesn't listen to this either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Bust and Tiny Moon will be coming up in two weeks. Woo! So, stay tuned for that. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.